0: Welcome to The Alignment Show, featuring conversations with folks who have taken steps to identify their highest values and align their lives around them. Time on this earth is not unlimited, and you may be seeking to make sure you spend your time on things that matter to you. These conversations will encourage you and support you in doing so. Now, let's meet this week's guest on The Alignment Show. All right, all right. Welcome to the Alignment Show this week. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. Uh, and uh, my guest today is very used to all kinds of things happening to you as a speaker. Before I introduce her, I want to remind you that our um, uh, our sponsor this week, once again, is sort of myself. Uh, I am writing a book. We're calling it uh, "The Way of the Three-Year-Old Why." we're making progress on that. So if you would like to see how the sausage is made, watch while it's in progress. Keep up with how things are going. It will also put you in position to get a discount on the book when it comes out. You'll be some of the first readers of it. Then go to donaldking.com 3YO. For those of you who are on audio only, that's D-O-N-N-E-L-L-K-I-N-G dot slash the number 3 and lowercase y-o, and we'd be glad to keep you up to date on what's happening. So, our guest today, as I mentioned, uh, somebody that I have met through that group I keep talking about, Speakers Speak Live, Valda Ford has been around for a long time as a professional speaker. Now, she didn't start life as a professional speaker. Uh, Valda is a registered nurse and public health expert, dedicated to improving access to health care and simplifying health education. Now, she started the professional speaking thing sometime back as well, and we're going to talk to her about how she got into that. But now she works with agencies around the world in furthering this personal mission of hers. She says in particular that her work with the American Heart Association and Healthy Start are her twin passions. So let's go ahead and bring on Valda Ford. Valda, welcome to the Alignment Show.
1: Thank you, Don. So good to be here.
0: So uh, I've I've already mentioned in uh, introducing you uh, that you've been an RN for a while. How long were you an RN before you decided that you wanted to add speaking to your personal portfolio?
1: I don't know that there was a set moment, but I had the opportunity to work internationally. And when I came back, people asked me, how was that? How did you manage it? How did you manage being a woman in a culture where women are treated differently, where you had to act differently, think differently? And so I started speaking about that. Then in 1997, when I was on faculty, I was trying to get tenure, and I used speaking as my way to work towards that.
0: Very good. Okay, so uh, we can do the math on that 97. One of the things that strikes me is that you have, uh, as a speaker, you have survived at least two, maybe three major changes in the speaking industry. Uh, because some of the folks who follow this program are themselves speakers. Uh, you have been on the board of the National Speakers Association. So uh, folks who watch the alignment show, we're, we often will put it in the context of the pandemic, because I think a lot of folks during the pandemic faced the fact that life is short. You don't want to spend it doing stuff you don't want to do, and they made changes. But then a lot of our guests made those kind of changes years ago. Now, you've told me that there was not, uh, and you just mentioned just now, that uh, there was not just one striking moment where you made a change. You have, in a way, always worked towards putting your values into your life. So how does, uh, this is not a question we talked about ahead of time, but this is something that just occurs to me. How does being a speaker make you a better nurse? I'm betting that it does, I'm just wondering, from your point of view, how might that be the case?
1: I have never thought about it that way, Don. I imagine that having the opportunity to work with people individually and in groups helps me to understand more of human nature. Many times when I am at the bedside, I'm getting people at their worst moments in life And I expect some behaviors they would not normally have. But when I'm out in the speaking world, especially if I'm doing multi-day trainings and I get a chance to do some deep dives, I find that some people are exactly like the people at their worst moments on an everyday basis. So it makes me more forgiving of the ones who are ill and trying to fight through whatever tragedy that is in front of them at the moment. But... More importantly, it just gives me the opportunity to know more about people, more about their thought processes, and the way they view the world.
0: Mm, mm, that makes a lot of sense. I, I'm I'm wondering because you maintain uh, the registered nurse status, you're still working in healthcare. That's not an easy profession. Speaking is not an easy profession. Uh, I am personally curious about what it is that keeps you going in this unique combination of what you do.
1: I believe it is because, one, I like to talk. (laughs) (laughs) I grew up between two aggressive sets of siblings, and they were always telling me to shut up and sit in the corner. (laughs) But I learned to speak in order to keep them at bay. Remember, I said aggressive siblings. So if they were about to do what bad brothers and sisters do and beat up on me a little bit, I'll say, wait, 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 wait. Let me tell you a story. Let me tell you what happened. Let me. And I got into the habit (laughs) of speaking. But just generally, I find they go together beautifully and I stay in the profession for two reasons. The first one is, as a licensed registered nurse, no matter what else is going on in the world, I can make a living wage. Hmm. I can make a decent wage. So that is regardless. So if the speaking business goes completely, bam, nobody cares, as it kind of did in 2008. And it kind of did when the pandemic started, when people had to shift their mindsets about, they would bring in as speakers or whether they should do it all in house. I always had the opportunity to earn a good wage, even though I never stopped speaking. I have to say, because I speak on health, wellness, infant, and maternal mortality, these are evergreen topics, and so I'm always called upon and always busy. But I like to consider myself a health educator. And in order to be a health educator, I have to keep myself current. So I need to put myself in the actual realm of where nurses are every day in order to keep up with what's new and what's important.
0: Mm -hmm. That makes a lot of sense as well. Uh, It it makes me think to ask. We keep talking about the pandemic. There's been other things, of course. Uh, Are you. I'm struggling with how to ask this. Uh, Are you encouraged by people's interest in health topics or discouraged because it seems like people will share misinformation, yada, yada? I mean, you're not just a nurse. You're a health educator. Is it like trying to bail out the ocean?
1: (laughs) That's interesting. There is so much bad information online. Probably 80 to 90% of the health information out there is either bogus or not researched or passed along because somebody told me. But I find that anytime I have the opportunity to talk about health, what's up, what's new, in those situations that are not new to anyone, like diabetes, I can approach it a different way and i'm always gratified to hear people say oh well someone told me that i just needed to stop doing all these things but they didn't say why and now you have given me the underlying reasons why it is important to make those changes and given me hope that for instance diabetes is not just a disease of don'ts so i love trying to find the way to do the teaching at the point where the people are so that they will understand it, want to know more and learn how to be advocates for themselves within that situation.
0: Okay. Very good. Very good. I, um, I'm thinking right now, Uh, you as a speaker a health educator bringing this message forward in a way the information has been out there for a long time you know so if you're not just as a speaker going out there and saying okay folks here's here's a list of things that you need to know about there's a combination of research and getting through to people uh Typically for a speaker, or for that matter, uh, an effective writer, you're going to have a mix of solid research and then stories or, or things that get people's emotional attention. Now, for our listeners, I've got to put a context here. I had the privilege of hearing Valda not too long ago deliver a portion of the speech where she really got through to me on an emotional level. So I know a little bit about how you do that. But just for our listeners here, how do you you combine the logic that helps people understand the reasons, as you were just saying, but also the motivation to actually make a change? Do you have some insights in that for us?
1: I've always found that you can give data until the day ends and people can start to drown it out. Of course, there's a certain percentage of the population, they live and die by data. They love it, they thrive on it, they would rather have it than to breathe. But the rest of us, I believe that when you give data, it's the life without the tears, it's the story without the tears. For instance, if we're talking about the pandemic and we're talking about COVID-19 and Lord knows there was a whole lot of bad information out there and still is about COVID-19. If I just say 1,000 people died today of COVID 19, well, that's a number and that's fine, but it doesn't feel like it relates to me. But if I say that on Saturday, a family of 20 people gathered to celebrate the matriarch's 91st birthday, there were five generations present. At the end of the day, after celebrating, One of them felt a little ill, but didn't think much of it. It had been a lot of activity, a lot of energy, and she just felt exhausted. By day three, four more were ill. And by the end of the week, 11 people were ill and four people had died. That resonates more with how COVID-19 that may not have any symptoms or just feel like a cold, if we're not careful, can decimate a family.
0: Yeah, that really gets through to you. Um, You were talking in the the talk that I heard, um, you were talking about diabetes, you know, and the impact of that. Uh, And folks close to me know I'm low-level diabetic, but I'm diabetic. Okay, So there were things, you know, I know quite a bit about it, and yet you told me things I didn't already know. It wasn't just trivia. It was, and see, now I'm struggling to remember what it was. So one of the things that I want to make a point about here for for listeners, uh, people who are looking at speaking, people who are looking at writing and getting their particular message across, details will not stick with people, but an impression will. And even though I don't remember the specifics of what you said in that talk, you got my attention, and you led me to make some changes in my own life. So I'm always fascinated by what we might call practical persuasion. You know, you're not you're not trying to earn a commission or whatever. You are trying to make a difference uh, in a lifetime. So I know that uh, you have uh, like a current project that you're working on, something that is not exactly newly exciting to you, but but something that is at this point in your career, you know, maybe a little different way than what it has. What what are you working on these days?
1: I'm working on a combination of things. Well, as you said earlier, my twin passions Heart disease is the number one killer of everyone, but it is the number one killer of women. And somehow we don't seem to get that. Additionally, infant infant and maternal mortality in the United States, the numbers are just horrible. We have data that shows that we're sitting in the last place for all industrialized nations and with some racial ethnic groups in as bad a place as people who may be from the lowest resource areas. And it doesn't make sense that this is not known. And unfortunately, these are concerns of women There are a number of reasons why they don't rise to the top. Even in my training about heart disease and who was having a heart attack, it was always the picture of a white male with a red face clutching his arm or clutching his chest. And that got people's attention. Women many times may have a heart attack that looks entirely different. It may be that they just feel tired or they have jaw pain or they are nauseated. And that can go on for days and weeks and sometimes months. And it is the body's way of saying, please pay attention. And if the woman does go to her doctor's office or PA or NP, and they're just like, well, you know, maybe it's indigestion. Let's give you this pill. They may not even check to see if it's heart disease, if she's not in those places where heart disease seems to live. So getting... Getting people to say, getting women to say, getting their partners to say, uh, she really isn't doing well, and can we do more testing? When women are pregnant or having babies or just had a baby and they're saying, you know, I'm hurting, I'm bleeding, I'm in pain, and people are like, well, of course you're hurting, you just had a baby, of course you're bleeding, you just had a baby. But to help people understand, that we know our own bodies and please pay attention to us don't try to make us be on the bell curve where we have to sit right here for you to pay attention those outliers are sometimes the ones who die so we have to pay attention and give them their full attention my full attention their full attention so that together we can decrease these unnecessary deaths especially in infant and maternal mortality, but women are dying first and foremost of heart disease and are not recognized as doing so. Mm,
0: mm. And I can hear that passion as you talk about that. Um, I want to kind of turn over something that you said a little bit earlier. You made the point that as uh, not just a nurse, but an RN, that you have job security in a sense. You can always make a good living, a decent living, um, and again, for folks, for context, some folks listening know this about me. We have a severely disabled uh, daughter in our house. Uh, nursing is what keeps her alive. Now, I'm thinking about one of her dedicated nurses who's very good at nursing. It would never occur to her to get up on a stage and talk about you know, what she's doing. You could have made a good living all of your life without ever setting foot on a stage so the question is you've already said, yeah, you started speaking because it helped with tenure, but we also know in academic settings, once you get tenure, you can quit doing that stuff. So what I'm wondering about is, is what is it that leads you to do this thing? You don't have to do, you know, what, what's, what's the value behind it for you? Um, Maybe tell us about a time when you were speaking and you realized the impact you had as a speaker that you would not have been able to have if you were only doing the nursing.
1: I think a lot of it has to do with to whom much is given, much is required. And I have had much given to me in my life. I've also suffered tragedies that are still hurting me today and part of it was because i felt that i was not listened to i was not heard my needs wants and desires were ignored because the situation didn't seem important to them or there was a communication issue where when i was not listened to my son died yes Mm -hmm yes and even though i was a nursing student and i was saying do you think this should be happening what about this why isn't this happening and they would always say sit in the corner little nursing students we know what we're doing and it just went on like that and in the end he got more and more sick and at the end when there was a decision to be made a miscommunication happened and he died and he died and they did not try to resuscitate them because they had assumed or a miscommunication happened where they thought I did not want him to be resuscitated. Oh, man. And this was just two weeks of illness, not two months or two years. So um, there wasn't much I could do about that. People said, oh, we're so sorry, but... There was nothing that could be done about that. And I almost quit nursing to begin with. And it took me 10 years at least to get to the point of not feeling 100% guilty about what happened. Because I maybe I should have said more. Maybe I should have said it louder. Maybe I should have screamed and shouted. Maybe I should have known more. And part of being a nurse was in knowing more and developing the lexicon, the jargon, the way of speaking that healthcare providers would speak to me. And I could hear them and they could hear me. However, it didn't happen at that juncture. And there have been multiple times during my life that even as a registered nurse, I've had to fight to get what I needed. And if I have to fight to get it, then what is going on with the average person who hasn't doesn't have four degrees after high school, multiple certifications, blah, 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 who is an insider? What is happening? So what what I have found out is people have come up to me many times to say, you know, when you said this thing or that thing, it made me want to change my life or they'll come back to me at another venue a year or two later and say, do you remember me? And of course, when you talk to thousands and thousands of people, I'm like, oh God, I don't remember. I'm so embarrassed. And they were like, no, you probably wouldn't know me because I was 50 pounds heavier or, you know, I was really swollen. I was having difficulty breathing. And now I can walk, I can run, I can do everything. And my life has changed because you motivated me to learn more, to do more and to speak up more. So I believe that is why I do it, because I just know where vulnerability exists, there can be challenges. But if we are willing to know more and do more, and as healthcare providers, if we are willing to listen a little bit better, even though we are overstressed and undermanned and worn out from the pandemic or insurance regulations whatever the case may be we can make a difference in someone's life and perhaps save it
0: oh i i think i had forgotten about that experience that you had about i may have known at one time oh wow um how long ago was that
1: oh well i was a nursing student and i've been a nurse for um hmm, some decades (laughs) wow but
0: but i'm uh, it's it's just like it was yesterday i know
1: Um, every time
0: i'm i'm so sorry at the same time um how is it i've heard it recently that if we take our wounds and give them wings we can make a difference to others and so um i know one of the folks that commented just a moment ago, I don't know if she's still on, but uh, Chani Marston, who sent her greetings from Brooklyn, New York, she's on the road. And Chani is um, not exactly a beginning speaker, but sort of a beginning speaker. And like you, she is finding that she can use things that happen in her life to make a difference to audiences. So for everybody listening. um We may not be able to control the things that happen to us, but we can make decisions about how we respond to those and even to make use of those. So, Valda, you have made a difference to thousands of people because of that. Uh, I've put up on the screen here because we want to be sure folks know how to get in touch with you. uh, And for audio listeners, we put up on the screen her email address. Valda, that's V A V-A-L-D-A, L D A, at valdaford.com. That's one of the best ways to get in touch with her. Also, wanted to show her website here. Uh, those of you who are on audio only, uh, once again, you can figure out that uh, valdaford.com is her website. Okay, so if you go there, you can learn some more about what she does, what she has done. Uh, folks, If you need to hire a speaker on health, and that is a topic that uh, it seems like to me companies are a little more interested in these days because they understand the bottom line impact of that sort of thing. Then uh, look at Valdeford.com to be able to get in touch with her. Uh, Val, do you want to say a little bit about the the corporate impact maybe?
1: Um, Well, I can tell you that when I speak with corporations and they are definitely trying to decrease their costs because a lot of their costs have to do with health insurance. And then the cost is not as direct as what is happening when people are not as well, when they have children who are not as well, when they have people in the hospital, then they're not going to be performing as well. So how much actual energy and work time is lost. For instance, if, If you have a company and I'm trying to talk to them about making sure that their employees have the ability to go to their um, prenatal visits and all of that, they might say, well, they just have to figure it out. And I'm saying like, well, they're not open after five and you're not, you know, you're closed not until five. So it might be smart to allow them to go. And then I tell them a healthy baby born probably cost about six to seven thousand dollars from that insurance that they have but an unwell baby is going to cost at least fifty five thousand dollars and many babies that go into the NICU to the neonatal intensive care unit may cost that insurance that company's insurance a million dollars or more and some people only have a lifetime policy worth a million dollars which goes in a second when you're in critical care areas. And then what happens when that baby is not well, born too soon, born too small, and then the parents are there in the NICU or at work really thinking about the baby in the NICU. And to, to tell them how much is saved, did they pay attention? When they look at wellness, when you tell people, well, if you're healthier, if your blood pressure is better, if your blood sugar is better, if your heart rate is better, We will pay more of your health care premium or give you days off, whatever the case is, and get people motivated in a positive way to take care of their health. They are much more productive. They save so much money and they don't lose people as often because, you know, they're happy with their work. They're whistling while they work because they love it and they know they're being respected and cared for.
0: Mm -hmm. i know it's a cliche way to put it but i can't think of a better way it's truly a win-win this is not so much a a cost it's an investment that Mm -hmm. has a return yes a great great way to think about it well uh folks uh we're coming to a close on our time want to make sure if you want to get the show notes here we put a qr code up on the screen for video viewers And uh, you can always go to confidencecultivators.com. I'm emphasizing the S because, well, it's necessary. Uh, And you can get those show notes. You can pick up uh, previous episodes. You can follow the links that we talk about here in the show and other resources that we might share. So we want to be sure that you're able to get that. So, Valda, before we wind up today, I'm always a generalist talking to specialists. There may very well be something that you wish that I had asked that I didn't know enough to ask. So what would that be and what would your answer be?
1: I will go back to something you said, that you were a low-level diabetic. There's no such thing. You have diabetes or you don't, you can be impacted more but the most important thing is when you are a low-level diabetic or you are pre-diabetic, that is your opportunity to keep from being that high-level diabetic who loses their sight, loses their kidneys, loses their legs or feet. And so always know your numbers and make sure your docs don't just tell you you're a little bit high blood pressure. They, you know your numbers. So they're knowing you and not the average person.
0: Gotcha. Great advice. And I've been following it. So thank you very much. All righty, folks. Let's uh, uh, Valda. Don't go away. I want to thank you in the green room. But to let folks know what's coming up next week, uh, we uh, will have a recorded episode next week because I'm going to be away from the computer, away from the net but I already know what's coming up here with Alexandra Watkins. Uh, She is a naming expert. You may not recognize her name, but I will guarantee you that you have been using products that she helped to come up with the name for. She faced some of the same things we've been talking about with values about, oh, is this something I want to keep doing? Uh, The pandemic led her to think about this a bit. And uh, I know what her answer was. She has rediscovered some passion for what she does. So we're looking forward to that conversation next week. As we always say here on the Alignment Show, we are helping you to live your values and value your life. It was a great episode talking with Valda, who has spent a lifetime doing that and helping other people to do that. And we look forward to having more conversations along those lines right here on the Alignment Show. We will see you next week. that's it for this week's episode of the alignment show what has it inspired you to do in your own life whatever it is take action now and take the first step it will help you to talk with a friend about what you're thinking share confidencecultivators.com to spread the goodness and remember to live your values and value your life we will see you next week on the alignment show